0: Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, and released in 2009, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, directed by Cody Cameron and Chris Pern, and released in 2013. Okay, so the plot of each of them. In the first one, the most delicious event since macaroni met cheese, inspired by the beloved children's book... The film focuses on a town where food falls from the sky like rain. That's not really the plot of the first movie. The, first, the plot of the first movie is there's a guy and he's a scientist in a small town and he invents something that turns the rain uh, like the water in the sky into food. Yes. And then that's how the food falls from the sky.
1: What do I know? I just copy-pasted it from IMDb. I know. I didn't
0: mean it no, like yeah. <laughs> that. I just I looked through it and I'm like that's that doesn't even tell you the plot of the movie at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I t- was totally professional there.
0: <laughs> okay, and the second one, Flint Lockwood. Now, <laughs> his name is Flint Lockwood. It's just I never said it out loud before. It's funny. Um, now working for Livecore has to go back to the island where his machine that once turned weather into food has started creating menacing foodimals that could threaten life
1: as he knows it. Is that the one I wrote? Yes. Oh,
0: <laughs> where <laughs> possible, like, I like to familiar. steal them
1: off you. I see. Okay. But it isn't that different from the one that was on IMDb.
0: Yeah, no, I I usually read the ones that are on IMDb, and then I'm like, I reword them or I put things in that I think are important. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, okay, so Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, um, which studio made this? Sony, I think.
1: Uh, good question. <laughs> I'm I just wondering because it's not DreamWorks and it's not Pixar, so it must be Sony then.
0: I think it's Sony. Anyway, when we were talking about Frozen a little while ago, yeah. Uh, I brought up the fact that Disney is not doing very much with its visual imagination in Mm. terms of, you know, how it animates its movies. Mm. That's because I'd seen these.
1: Right. And I hadn't. So now I have. And yes, I really understand that. These are gorgeous. So I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I, I hadn't seen them. And I, all I'd seen was the posters and stuff, which are kind of not that impressive, but they're all, there's all like a rainbow and there's this 80s aesthetic and it's kind of disco. I love it. Yeah, it's really,
0: really visually imaginative. And really kind of um, – I don't like generally movies that are too busy where there's too much stuff going on on the screen. Yeah. But every single still of this these movies just like bursts into life and yet it all sort of – it kind of works together and there's all these great background gags that happen yeah. while the movie's going on. um, The plot, at least the second one, is fairly simple. In the first one, it's a little bit – slightly more complicated but still fairly simple and it's all about sort of the characters and how incredibly insanely creative they can get with what they're showing yeah like the first one sort of starts out with something that's a little more accessible i guess um but everything in the movie i mean the the world is fictionalized the town is fictionalized everything in it is sort of this mm-hmm. uh um so he lives in this small fishing island
1: yeah right so it's well it's actually it as an adult it's kind of interesting to look at because it's it's the the idea is that it's a small uh coastal village that's only industry was fishing yeah but the the town is kind of the people stopped eating sardines and so the town has kind of fallen into disrepair the only his his dad is a sardine fisherman or something like Mm. that and he still runs a fish shop fish shack i don't know what it's called and um he likes to Sardine. talk Sardine Shack? Sardine Shack, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he talks to his dad in um, Fishing metaphor. He talks to his son in Fishing Metaphors, and his son is like, I don't understand Fishing Metaphors.
0: Yeah, and he's, of course, a scientist, and his mum encouraged him to follow his dreams and then died. Um, yeah, so he... because this is a
1: children's movie, and all kids in kids' movies have dead parents. Right. And so he
0: sort of grew up trying to aspire to, you know, her words, and he makes all of these... Uh, cr- Inventions with funny names that like don't quite work out the way he he wants them to. Like he makes spray on shoes when he's a kid, and then he can never ever get out of them. <laughs> so he's still wearing the spray on shoes. You know what's as an crazy adult.
1: about spray on shoes is that they've grown with his feet. Like he couldn't get out of them, but his feet have grown because he was a kid when he sprayed them on.
0: Yeah, I think they looked like they looked like a jelly like substance anyway. It's so true. they probably did grow with his feet. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably weren't like.
1: Is it just something I only thought of like right then?
0: I'll But yeah, so he Mm invents all these things and and he invents the little talking device for his pet monkey, Steve, um, voiced by Neil Patrick Harris, who apparently was offered the lead role and then decided that Steve was a more interesting character. Mm -hmm. Um, Steve, by the way, pretty much only says things like, Steve, Steve, and food, and Steve, and Mm -hmm. gummy bears, and Steve, So, and he's just uh, so funny. And he has some of the best, like, background gags. Like, when Steve is running around doing things, you end up watching him while the characters say boring expositional stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because the animal sidekicks are always the best part of any animated movie. Team Olaf. I hate Olaf.
0: No, I liked Sven, though. He was an animal sidekick. True. Olaf was not an animal sidekick, he was magically animated, cracking, anthropomorphized sidekick.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. and that's what I didn't like which is what Steve is and he's got the collar thing just like the dog in Up
0: yeah only unlike the dog in Up (laughs) he doesn't really
1: talk yeah
0: Uh, and but anyway
1: what it's all about the the invention that causes all these problems is he invents a machine which makes food out of water. Right. And Add it's called water, the. F- make food.
0: Flidotstmur. Flidotstmur.
1: Something like that. <laughs>
0: Flidotstmur. Yes,
1: Swedish. Um, hang on. It
0: stands for Flint Lockwood Diatonic Super Mutating Dynamic Food Replicator. Oh, right. Flidstmur. Flidstmur.
1: <laughs> it's so
0: like. I don't know, my sense of humour matches up to this movie's sense of humour really, really well, mm-hmm. which is weird and specific, but, you know, kind of like left of centre. Um, and so uh, I found myself laughing a whole lot in both of these movies.
1: I found myself laughing a lot in these movies. They're really cute. Especially the, the second one, There's because we have food animals made out of food, it's basically an excuse for every food-related pun you could ever think of for all the animal names. And it's the best.
0: I have a little list of a few of them Oh, here. Do- yes, you do. We've got uh
1: which is my favourite, yeah.
0: shrimpanzees, taco dials and sushi. Sushi. Yes. Um, there's also the what are they called? The, what are the big cheeseburger spider called? Spiders called? Uh... Anyway. There's some really, really brilliant ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like, it, it has its own so basically the food invention in the first movie went completely haywire. Mm -hmm. Um, they thought they'd destroyed it but in fact it made that anthropomorphized food which you started to see at the end of the first movie yeah so it perfectly sets up the second one and then they the island everybody all the people who lived on the island get kicked off it
1: yeah um and flint
0: gets distracted by being offered a job by the head of live Corps who is his scientific hero one of the greatest animated characters i think ever with his limbs that just sort of flail around mm. and like he's this sort of ultimate yoga man and it's brilliant characterization just genius and he's like this amalgam of like steve jobs and you know a lot of those other
1: yeah they're, they're like uh, uh, entrepreneurs who act like they're your friend and they're cool mm. that kind of kind of thing well yeah cuz in the first one we have this town and the this food machine becomes so popular that basically Flint just feeds the entire town and they've because everybody's got all their food needs met, they stop working, they do nothing except eat and there's this horrible mayor who all he wants is like more food and more food and he's always pushing for more to come out of the machine and that's of course why it all goes wrong.
0: I didn't realise that they all stopped working. I don't really
1: Well, to, to be fair, they probably – I don't know. It just felt like that they stopped caring about anything else and they, they just – Well, they did want to make it part of their, like, tourism industry, Mm. which is when everything went wrong. Yeah, and and they got greedy about it and started to take it for granted and act like it was their own personal ordering system.
0: Yeah, it has – it sort of doesn't have one message, but there's little things about, like, the nature of fame and, Mm. like, you know, self-importance and all this sort of stuff.
1: Right, and that classic young person thing that your parents aren't stupid lesson about his dad – his hesitant. dad is also fantastically animated because he's literally just eyebrows and nose and a
0: moustache, mm. like his face is. You get to see his eyes, I think, once in the whole first movie, but everything else all the rest of the time, he 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 is uh, emotive via a unibrow and a moustache mm. and that's it.
1: <laughs> Played by James Caan too.
0: Yeah. And he's great. All of them are just, they're so cleverly designed. The only sort of downside is Anna Farris's girlfriend character, mm. who the storyline is okay about, yeah. you know, embracing her nerdiness and they have a lot to say about how, because she's a weather girl, but she's actually, you know, a scientist as well. Right. And she's so disrespected and then they even just dis- disrespect her more when she's not pretty anymore. And-, and the guy at the news station is focusing on the fact that she's wearing glasses and he's calling her a nerd when there's this major catastrophe going on right. behind her. And she's the
1: only person who's covering it. And the only person who's qualified to cover it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and they don't. Yeah.
1: That was a cute little bit of satire.
0: It was, but <laughs> firstly, she's voiced by Anna, by Anna Faris mm-hmm. and it just grates okay. a lot of the time for me. I don't find her funny. Uh, I'm
1: not really bothered by the voice performance. i Kind of was like, meh. She
0: doesn't, to me, she just doesn't have particularly good comedic timing. Okay. I don't know. I
1: just Well, I didn't think she's the straight man. Like, I didn't she think she was meant to bit. be funny. But then she's also, and the other problem is that she's the only girl. Oh, yeah, well, and the mum gets fridged early on.
0: Yeah, the yeah. mum gets fridged, and Harris is literally the only girl. In this in the first movie, you get to see a little bit of the Mr. T character's wife, and the Mr. T character, who is voiced by Terry Crews, our favourite in the second one, is this policeman with these tiny shorts and these giant muscles, who is really, really invested in protecting the town, and in protecting his son. Yep. who he calls his perfect angel, and it's just the cutest thing in the world. I love that character so right, much. Right, me
1: too. He's my favorite. I He's love him my too. favorite. But yeah, she's the only girl in both movies. It's, she's the smurfette for both movies. Yeah, and in the first one you see Mr. T's wife a little bit. A little, yeah. And that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. In the second one, there's uh, there's, there's wait, I, there's three talking roles for women, for female characters. Right. There's Are they, um, are they animals? The girl, uh, a chimpanzee with a human brain that's the bad guy's head lackey. Uh,
1: okay. Oh, yes. Uh, 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 Kristen Shall.
0: Yes. Yep. There you go. And another minion. Mm-hmm. That's the three. C- Kristen
1: Shall has quite an interesting little trajectory as well. And she's another one where uh, it's like about. I, I'm assuming, is a commentary on women being disrespected in the workplace.
0: Yeah, which you'd think if they know enough to make commentaries on those things, they would know enough to make other female characters. You'd think. Like, it's so irritating to me that they, they're like, they they clearly know what's up with sexism, mm. and yet not what's up with representation. Yeah, And it's just, it's so frustrating to me.
1: No, I agree. And, the, and this is another one of those uh, classic uh, examples of that research about crowd scenes in kids movies only having 17% women and sorry in animated kids movies yeah yeah it's terrible okay i, found, I figured out another mm. food animal name is an um owl lives owl lives <laughs> of i tried to google but all i got was an an, an article about the um that where well, that asked the question i like food puns will i enjoy this movie and the <laughs> to which the director responded this will be your favorite movie
0: <laughs> there's a leak in the boat <laughs> best food pun ever Oh man, potato misses. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, the it's it's it is really sad to me that a movie that is so imaginative and so creative can't imagine more women. Mm. You know, it's just sad. Like, why couldn't the bad guy in the second one have been a female character, mm. or why couldn't he have had a another female friend? Because he has this whole little group of friends that come with him on the trip, yep. and there's no women in there apart from his girlfriend yeah there's no other and she's the only sensible one but still um mm. the second one also has a gag so the foodimals are like ranked or like there's different levels of intelligence right you've got like animals mm. basically which are like the water and all those guys mm. and then you have intelligent food like the strawberries. like the strawberries which are just anthropomorphized food like they're not animals, they're just the food, but with human intelligence. Mm. And there's a bit at the end of the movie where the strawberry is interpreting what one of the humans is saying (laughs) into strawberry language. And I laughed so hard. I cried. I was laughing so hard the whole time because it's basically just sort of like chibified English. (laughs) (laughs) And like when there's some word, I can't remember what it is. Um, what is the word that they say where that's like a mashed up version of his name, and they didn't realize that it was his name the whole time? I I don't remember. remember. That's in the second one, right? Um, yeah. (laughs) And they're all like, "Oh my god, fear the foodimals," because the you know Mm. lead bad guy has told them to, Mm -hmm. um, and told them that if they don't, the the foodimals will take over the world. But really, it's just about understanding them and stuff. Mm -hmm. Although. Based on the movie and how quickly the island expanded, theoretically, the
1: foodimals would actually take over the world. Probably, yes. If, there's probably there's room for a threequel. Yeah. Although the the second one ties up quite nicely with Flint learning how to fish, yes. which is really cute. Nice little tie-in to the whole, I don't understand, fishing metaphors. And the pickles fishing. Oh, God, the pickles fishing. I just <laughs> cracked up at that. I couldn't stop laughing. That was so funny. <laughs> the pickles are
0: also the kind of anthropomorphized intelligent food. Yes, they're, they're kind of like
1: they're like the penguins in Madagascar.
0: Not really, because the penguins I think were more human. These ki- these guys are more like early human, like you know. Oh, tribal, they can only grunt and stuff. They're
1: like Neanderthal kind of. Yeah, human. well,
0: I mean, the strawberries have a, have language, but they're more like kind of yeah, they're more like kind of tribal sort of early civilization, which makes sense because mm-hmm. it's an early civilization of foodables pickles. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the
1: pickles and the strawberries are like early sort of evolution. And then, like, <laughs> but, uh, Yeah, and then, like, when you get to the hamburger, that's a quite complex food because it's put, got to put together a whole bunch of foods and then it becomes a hamburger spider. I yes. Think, which is called something. I don't remember what. Neither do I. That's annoying me. But anyway, it's. And the legs are made out
0: of chips. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just so. Chester V. That's the guy, the name of the. um. The Terry Crews slash Mister T character? No, 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 the bad guy. Oh,
1: right, yes, D. in the second one, played by Will Forte.
0: It's interesting. The first one also has this uh, storyline with a character who was
1: um, baby something, baby Brent. Oh, right, yes, he was famous as a baby. He was on the sardine tins, yeah. right? Yeah, and famous in the small town. And so the
0: adult who was, you know, photographed as baby Brent is like their hero. Um until Flint invents this machine and he goes around in in nappies all the time in diapers all the time, and like it's such a weird
1: he's such an odd character, oh see that again that was one of those like people who were a big name in the small small town kind of They're thing like, like, yeah well we you know you know like the high the high school football hero who's like. Suddenly 30 years old and drinking beer on his porch and shouting at people. Yes. Yeah, that kind of idea. It's the, I mean, they actually make the big fish in the little pond joke, I think. Plus,
0: there's that fantastic scene where the giant fishbowl and the little fish in it. Mm, yeah. It's so funny. And then the fishbowl ends up on top of Flint. It's great in the mm-hmm. first movie. Um, yeah but yeah he's such a an and then he's back in the second one and Well, because he's a he chicken. but he's
1: got a little character arc though and yeah. he ends up going on the adventure with them and he gets turned into a chicken and then he he has doesn't get to, turned into it he is he's inside a chicken he's inside very a chicken strange. it's quite odd anyway he's a chicken man and he's happy to be a chicken man i guess he's inside a cooked chicken too yeah very odd well the, yeah the but food he has his own little character arc and he like he learns that you know being a big fish in a small pond is not great and he should not be so you know it's he yeah, he, he learns and not Flint to be a at bully at the same time both learn not to think so highly of themselves and... yes
0: um well that's what i was going to say is that their their stories kind of mirror each other yeah but he's just so strange that like i cringed a lot of the time when he was on scene, this is a bit on awkward. it's green but yeah it no it makes sense in the world of this um universe mm. that they're cooked chickens because there's actually no raw meat mm-hmm. uh the the flutusmer mm. makes food that you can
1: eat it yeah. doesn't make no it doesn't ingredients make, like stuff. fruit and stuff well but it does when make get fruit to and the stuff, island they're all oh it can always make fruit because shrimp. we can eat fr- yeah fruit. yeah it yeah. always
0: makes um stuff ah, that people can in edible form yeah
1: so you're not going to get like a potato yeah You'll and that's
0: why chips. you get hamburgers and that's yes. why you get cooked chickens, and right. that's why you get taco dials. You
1: know, somebody at Sony probably spent like days making sure that world all lined up with everything.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite. I mean, I I really do think this is in terms of a like a visual intelligence. Mm. This is one of the best movies out there. It in terms of it being like. Uh, internally consistent, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the visuals being internally consistent. There's something in the first movie where there's this explosion of sort of rainbow colours, and I'm like, oh, my God, because I watched it again after I'd seen the second one. Right. And the second one has a whole running gag about the party box, Mm -hmm. party in a box, and when it opens, it explodes with just magical rainbow colour that covers everything. Yeah, that was
1: what I was so excited about when the credits started and there's just rainbow everywhere. Yeah. (gasps) Made me so happy. And so that's all very
0: consistent within the world as well
1: yeah yeah the the way it's colored what i liked is that from the first movie to the second movie we basically switched genres like they're entirely mm. such entirely different movies the first movie is like a disaster movie and the second movie is like a sci-fi yeah i love it i love that they're a, they're totally different they're not they didn't just make the same thing over and over again i, I mm. really enjoyed that they they put a lot of effort into that
0: yeah they did and i mean that so the characters are so sort of realised, I guess. Even the annoying ones <laughs> that I don't like yeah. as much Uh like realised characters where you know exactly what they're going to do and say because you kind of get them and get mm. where they're coming from. But we're
1: putting them in such a different set of situations that yeah. there's a whole lot of new fun silliness for them to explore. I just, Baby Brent is um, played by Andy Sandberg. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like Andy Sandberg. Right. Well we we're talking Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. <laughs> we we're talking Terry Crews before he's our favourite because Brooklyn Nine Nine is our favourite at the moment. Oh, it's such the a good last TV episode show. of
0: that show, I was crying. We, I was laughing so hard. I was crying. Laughing, we've laughed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It was the funniest. The, that was really That um, was very good, yes. And I mean, I think that show's brilliant. And I think Terry Crews is is mm. doing exactly what he should be doing, yeah. which is to be this amazing, hilarious, supporting character. And he has such a great persona mm. that he's got going on where he's like the great big tough guy who's actually a big softy, which is sort of what he plays in both yeah. this and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, to a greater extent, mm. but it's basically the same character.
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost, that's why when you, when we watched the first one again, you were like, oh, it's Terry Crews, but it was actually Mr. T. we have just forgotten because it's such a Terry Crews like character.
0: This, and the second one, he's voiced by Terry Crews. Right, of course. <laughs> that's why, because I'd mm-hmm. forgotten in the first one but, that it yeah, was somebody else. But more suited. Um, and mm-hmm. Ice-T, I mean, like he does a good job in the first one. Mr. But I T. actually Mr. T, sorry. Mm-hmm. Mr. T does a good job in
1: the first one, but I actually like Terry right. Cruz's version better. Oh, he, yeah, he does a fine job. He just – Terry Crews knows that character and knows what he's going to do. Yeah. The, the voices are all um, that kind of – uh, they're, they're. Kind of, I think they're all SNL that kind, that kind of gang, yep. like Bill Hader and Will Forte and Anna Faris. Like they're all kind of Kristen Schaal. She's, I think she's Saturday Night Live. That sort of that crowd. Mm. Mm. They're, they're all um, that, those that lot. Yeah, and kind of shows because they all play off each other and stuff. Mm. Although, I mean, I guess doing voices, they might, they might not have had that. You do voices in, like they do them one by one. You don't. That's true. It doesn't necessarily seem like they- play off one another. Seems a lot in this movie, like they do, which might just be good filmmaking, right? Which is fabulous voice acting, because if you, if you do that, but I'm pretty sure they just make it. Um, maybe if it's there, there's a lot of if the characters have a lot of scenes together. They might, you know, just two characters or something. But I don't know. I, I always um, thought it was one at a time. I
0: think they do read sometimes. They, they do, do a read table through, read. A table yeah, read, they do that so. stuff. Also, the first movie has, I think, one of the best like romantic comedy scenes in any movie ever, right. which is the Jelly Castle where Flint. Creates because um, they both love Jello. Mm-hmm. He and and uh, Anna Faris' character, Sam, Sam Sparks. Sparks, the Weather Girl, because they both love yellow jelly, lemon jelly. He makes this whole castle of it. Yes, and they go bouncing in it, and there's like a statue of Sam that's made out of jelly and they go up and down the levels and do all these crazy things in the jelly. That's um, such a
1: cute yeah, that was such a cute scene.
0: It really was a cute scene. And it yeah, it just it it's shot so well. You know, like it mm. looks so great. Um that's one of the really strong visuals from the first movie is mm-hmm. the whole jelly castle. And then they have an ice cream he makes it snow ice cream sort of and so yeah. there's like they
1: have ice cream fights. There's also that big cheese fountain. Hmm? In the middle of the town is a pool oh, right. and fountains made of that uh, that orange American cheese. That's when they get really extreme, though. Right, and it starts yeah. to all fall apart. It'll, yes, it does, but it looks amazing.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that look really really incredible mm. in both films. Yeah, I mean the foodimals look great, and and the first one, the second one, sorry, also has uh, Chester V's livecorp home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just remembered the gag about what. The name of Life Corp. Anyway, I don't want to... I suppose we can spoil people, right? I think so. In, the The whole gag about it is that it's evil spelt backwards. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, live. Oh, right. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't even... Yeah, of course. Um, They do it
1: at one point because they flip oh. it and they're like, oh, my God, it's evil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that it's all the humor is designed to appeal to kids, but... As an adult, it's still super hilarious. Yeah. I like that too. But it doesn't have like, I don't particularly
0: like the DreamWorks way of doing movies that adults can enjoy as well by making jokes for adults and making jokes for kids. Right. This is
1: pitched to kids. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really like that as well. Um, Because when they do the whole adult jokes that go over your head thing, you feel like they're talking down to the kids.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. But anyway, Life Corp is like a light bulb. The Mm. whole building is designed like a light bulb. So that design is really, really interesting too. And then (laughs) they have um, Flint's bedroom, which is like a cupboard basically, Mm. but it doesn't look like a cupboard because he's put all of these um, like sciencey looking things. So when you first see him in it, you think he's in this really, really elaborate lab. Mm -hmm. And then his dad opens the door and the door like slides open and it's part of the wallpaper that makes it look like this lab. And it's actually this tiny,
1: tiny room. Mm -hmm. I love that too. No, I I love that too. The whole. The whole setup with Flint and his little lab that you have to get through, uh, you have to go through a porta loo to get into it. <laughs> that was yeah, that's a- his lab on the. In the first one. Yeah. In, on his, in his
0: home. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Which is also great. His lab is terrific. And then the first one also has the gag about his dad trying to send an email. <laughs> Oh <laughs> my god that's <laughs> great. <laughs> like they're in the absolute sort of last moment to save the world type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh which is when the first chickens come in I think actually yeah. they start attacking and and the, yes
1: and and um baby Brent is trying to hold them off and that's yeah. how he becomes a chicken.
0: That's right. <laughs> He's trying to, the whole time he's trying to get his dad to send this imp- incredibly important email to him and he can't figure
1: out how. It, yeah, it's the living embodiment of every time you've ever had to do pe- um, tech support for your parents. Mm, it's, it's so, so good. <laughs> it's so relatable, that right, so Right, yeah, very much. Although the, the whole thing being reliant on a thumb drive, you're like, you couldn't find a more <laughs> reliable way of storing things. Anyway. Mm, well he has to get it to the Yeah and they, and it, it's a good way of and escalating there's a USB the port danger. on the flipper Yes. it is an
0: important feature built in. And and the but the whole point as well yeah. is like he's like oh good, it's a good thing we didn't lose this and he holds up the and USB it goes- and it blows out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> like that's why it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um oh. it's because it it literally is set up
1: so and it's such a like tongue in cheek sort of way mm. of doing it. Cuz it's all classic it's really classic storytelling, that kind of oh, you keeping on piling on the obstacles. And so yeah. it's yeah, it's really well done. Like gravity. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and it but they do it in such a sort of tongue in cheek kind of funny. And it's so funny. And so and it feels like I think one of the things I love so so much about them hmm. is that they feel like the people who made them are really really invested in the story. Like it feels like everybody cares. Yeah. Which is I think what frustrates me a little bit about the Disney ones mm-hmm. is that it doesn't feel like everybody cares as much. Whereas in these ones, it feels like everybody's really putting in a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, it's the difference actually between people like Pixar and this is and this is Sony Animation. So their their particular division, Disney has to pump out a kids movie every year, and they they've got a factory sort of process, and they do it. The these these ones. It's it's more like a Pixar movie in that it feels like everyone's been working towards this for four years or however long it was between films, and that everybody and and that like like we said before, somebody has sat down and worked out the different the different evolution of food and what foods at what level and what what gets made here and how that you can only make properly fully cooked food and there's all this world building stuff that you know they've spent years on because it's all there in the background and there's there's stuff that happens it's like one or two frames in the background. And they've spent all this time – they do, it, they're really lovingly made and put together. Yeah. And I think you can feel that when
0: you're watching yeah. them, even though – I th- I do think the second one is a bit too simple, like, in terms of its story and theme and stuff. I feel like they didn't really try as hard with that as the first one, because yep. the first one has a lot of clever ideas, and the second – like, in terms of its actual storytelling. And the second one, even though it's a different genre and stuff, mm. it really is a very sort of a, – a story we've seen before in a lot of ways. Mm um it's just a like a journey film Mm -hmm. uh and in that sense i i came out of it a bit more disappointed because when they have that much imagination in terms of how it looks and how everything works and stuff Mm. it's a little bit disappointing to see it just work in a kind of uh twenty thousand leagues under the sea oh my god another weird
1: thing to that we have to deal with Mm. sense actually if anything i probably enjoyed the second one slightly more. I'd, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was used to the idea by then. But I, I, I'm pro- I'll I, probably give them the same mark because I lacked them both a lot. But I yeah, – Mine is but- different by half a point. Yeah. <laughs> because of that, I think, just
0: because, mm-hmm. like, it felt like – felt a little bit lazy to me mm. that they have so many – cool mm. ideas and it also feels frustrating that you know they clearly they, this is that the, both films have a feminist message mm. without
1: having female characters is like ugh. yeah it's that uh-huh. um yes it's it, it's such hollywood progressive stuff isn't it like yes. it's still it's like we what they say is that they they say all this stuff that's progressive but then what they show is inherently very conservative
0: yeah mm. and it's so like they clearly know you know they they're saying uh they projecting messages that you don't actually often see in movies mm-hmm. with Sam doing the reverse makeover mm-hmm. and with the chimpanzee character in the second one being so, so like not what you would expect a female character in a movie to look like. Mm-hmm. And she's all about finding her own self-respect and, um, mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of thing. And oh, so, and that is something that you and, see, but not yeah. from that kind of character. No. Because she's literally a chimpanzee.
1: Yeah, she's <laughs> with he, a human I, brain. I really liked her, actually. That Me was, too. I really liked that whole Christian Schell's character storyline about she's a. He keeps getting her species wrong, keeps calling her a monkey when she's a chimpanzee, and yeah. he's horrible to her, and she finally breaks free of it, which is really cute and nice and good storyline. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And you would think if
0: they know that, and if they really understand that, like it seems like they do, then. How can you just go, we'll kill off the mother and then everybody will be male and that's normal in the world, right? That's how many, mm. I mean, that's, that's the right representation. Mm. That's equal. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So that, I think, was a little bit frustrating for me. And also, I just think it wasn't quite as creative in
1: the storytelling. Yep. Fair enough. Um, it was more classical. Yeah.
0: It, I think maybe they tried too hard to reference other things. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they forgot to do their create their own story. Because yeah. the first one was so much...
1: I'm such a sucker for a reference.
0: Also, the first one was based on a book, I suppose, and the second one wasn't.
1: Yeah, I saw the... When you read out the thing, it was like the beloved children's book that I've never heard of. <laughs> so the first one was probably... Mm-hmm. Because the first
0: one was based on a book, it probably... Uh, that that work was done for them. Uh, and yep, the second the one, they, d- they had to create it themselves. I guess. And it became obvious, mm. I guess. I mean, I don't know if there is a second book. Maybe there is. But it know. seemed to me that the second one didn't have that mm-hmm. the same amount of imagination that went into the visual storytelling and the characters didn't go into the mm. like actual plot.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A completely different team working on the second one too. I just noticed the second one, um, John Francis Daly is part is the um, one of the screenwriters from bones, right? From bones. The, and um, the one who looks te- really, really young. Yeah. But he was that, that uh, what was he on? That, my it's not my so called life. It's the other one. Yeah, the one with Jason uh, Segel and Freaks and Geeks. and Geeks. Yeah, he was on that. But he also wrote Horrible Bosses. So, mm. Mm. yeah, we haven't seen that. To be fair, no, we haven't. seen I that. just
0: don't want to ever.
1: Yes. Um. Whereas the first one was written and directed by the the people who wrote it. Uh, sorry, people who adapted the book directed it. Oh. Uh, whereas the second one does not seem to have a book. See, oh, it's got, it's one of these um. Things where they credit the the book authors for the characters, mm. then they credit th- the original writer, the original two directors plus one other person for the story, and then we have one of those story people plus John Francis Daly plus another person who are the screenwriters. Okay, are there any women there. in there? Uh, Erica Rivinoja. There you go. Yes, she's there. Well, the so the original book is written by Judy and Ron Barrett, so woman there. So only one out of the bunch.
0: Interesting. Mm. Anyway, mm-hmm. have we talked for long enough? Yeah, 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 can we wanna... have. Do you have anything to add because I talked a lot?
1: Yeah, I know you did but because I had trouble remembering this one because it was a late minute. These were like a late uh, substitution because we were going to watch another movie and then it sucked. So we decided <laughs> not to talk about it. Or watch it anymore. Mm, that's true. And <laughs> um, there's an episode of Top Gear on with Tom Hiddleston that I'd like to watch and I'd like to watch it tonight. So let's get this episode out in the can and out the door. But is there anything else you um, wanna... yes. Uh Yes. Ab- about these, no, I think I said everything about how I really enjoyed – this complete switch in genres between the first two first and second movies. How I loved all the rainbow and the eighties and the sparkle and the disco and the silliness and the puns and the storytelling. I thought was was very good. There's, they do that thing that we always talk about of just having the good the basics there, mm. all the right you know ups and downs and beats and to take you along for the story. And most importantly, what I liked about it is that it is very much a kids movie, which is enjoyable for adults but doesn't talk down to kids and makes really silly jokes that make you laugh whether you're a kid or not. So yeah. right I that. I like that too. Mm-hmm. I do like,
0: I, I, you know I appreciate great kids' movies. Yeah,
1: and the, and the nice messages about redemption arc for the bully and learning to work well with others and uh, learning to embrace your, your true self and that appearances don't always mean what you think they mean. Those kind of messages are really sweet and nice and perfectly appropriate for a kid's movie. So I like that
0: too. It's interesting Flint's journey is interesting mm. because a lot of his journey is about cleaning up his own messes yeah like that happens in both movies really mm-hmm. it's all about him cleaning up his own messes
1: right because he's because he, what he's got to learn is that is about actually playing with others because the his whole character is his whole self-conception is based around being the mad scientist guy working alone in his lab like he's in his big ivory tower that's why he's such a fan of this guy at live core because he's you know what this one guy who's running this whole operation and he sees himself as being the lone wolf and that's really important his whole journey is about learning to understand his dad to work with um other people to learn you know, learn not to uh, be so full of himself and to have that uh, learning to work with his someone who was a bully to him. I Yeah, I like that about him.
0: Yeah. Mm. It's just interesting
1: because a lot of the time he can be a very unlikable lead character. Right. And so, and that's, I mean, in some ways that's good because that gives him a lot of lot of room to grow mm. and can do a lot with him. And yeah, but basically that the whole first movie is about him cleaning up the very big mess that he's made. And the yeah. second one is lots of little messes that he's made. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Your scores for these two. Okay, so I gave the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs four stars and the second one three and a half stars. I give them both three and a half. Okay. Mm. So that's it for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. If you do get a chance
1: to see them, you should because they just look incredible. Mm. And if you have kids, they're lots of fun to watch and you will enjoy them too. And you'll be able to watch them more than once and not get bored exactly and they look incredible yes yeah. um yeah if you want to know anything more about us you can or read the show notes for this episode you can do that on our website sorry
0: <laughs> Just- it's I think right. I got bitten by something on my arm. Uh-huh. It's just like now cuz it's just kind right. up all red. So, mm-hmm. oh. sorry
1: about that. No, that's okay. <laughs> she just bumped the microphone in case you heard that. I don't know if anybody would have heard it. Anyway, um yeah, so, uh show notes on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Katie's blog is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com where she reviews the second one, but the first one was a while ago now, so she doesn't have that one up. Yeah. Uh You can follow us on Twitter at Screen underscore Queens. You can like our Facebook page. You can come and hang out with us on Tumblr, which is tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. I've forgotten my Twitter login. I've
0: changed browsers and now I can't log in anymore because I don't remember my password. Anyway, uh, (laughs) see you next time. Bye. (laughs)